It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. What's the first question you'd you'd ask them if we could get them? You might even know someone. You know, someone might know Tom Brady. You know, your daughter might have used to be his nanny or something like that, and you can put us in touch. That that happened once. Remember we got Steve Hansen when Steve Hansen's, I think, nephew was listening to the show, and he got Steve Hansen on the show for us. It was fantastic. This is what we are. We're an afternoon's family in association with golf, fueling your mission all year round. There we go. Um, so elsewhere on the show today, Billy Fraser, I'm not 100% will get him. He said, try me, but he's just not sure what his timetable is today with his new indie team over there in the States, and he's only just arrived. So hopefully we'll get him. Uh, we're definitely going to chat to Paul Wilcox, uh, uh, Auckland Thoroughbred Racing boss, about how the Ellerslie upgrade is coming along and how did it fare through uh, these rainstorms that we've had. I fear for them. I really do fear for them. We're also hoping to get an Indigenous All-Star on the show. They're training at the moment till 1 o'clock. We probably won't hear back till after 1 whether we're going to talk to them at two. But fingers crossed we can um, talk to them. And we have the chase today, and I can guarantee you I am not the chaser. I am not the chaser. Uh, we also have what's making news somewhere in around all of this. And uh, But the big one today, really important for us, interview, interview, golden ticket interviews. Who do you want us to get? What's the first question you'd ask them? And we'll do our best. We'll see what we can do. Compile it. We've been compiling our own lists, but I really want to hear who you want to hear from. It's your show just as much as ours. We'll go to the phones for Midday Madness. Well, listen, Buster. You better start to move your feet to the rockin'est beat of madness. Righto, let's go down to Dunedin and Dino. G'day, Dean. The rain stops there. Could be good for Friday, Saturday, Super Saloons here. But the question I w- I'd like you to ask it actually before the World Cup and then after the World Cup, ask Foster why he hung around. Because mm. no one wants him there. I don't even reckon the players do. Well, I don't actually, I just think he said because I had a lot to offer. Why do you stay in any job? Because you think you can do it and you want a chance at redemption and all that sort of thing. And you'd have to say, Dino results-wise, at the end of the year, got the results, except for that draw, really. Um, I mean, I'm probably in your camp. I think we're too far down to change coaches, but I, I know what you're saying about him. I know what you're saying. We didn't get the results, mate. He got the right forward coach on board after he sacked his two mates. Like, who does that? Like, that's the only question people that love rugby want someone to ask him. And see if we even pick up the phone. Well, I mean, I hope we go really well. I reckon this World Cup, it's there for the picking for whoever wants it. I think South Africa looking really good because they've got a settled squad, best captain in the world. France, I actually started watching that Five Nations just for a wee look. And, yeah, they're, they're definitely beatable. Like, Italy played, it was a great game of footy. Ireland, oh, they're looking really good. But our team, so we haven't got a team. We've mm. got some talent. We just don't have a team. We don't play so like a team like Ireland do. I love watching Ireland play. They play as a whole cohesive unit. They don't really have standouts because as a collective, they're, they're just a green swarm. I love watching Ireland. 
mate, we used to be a black swarm. That's right. They, everyone followed us. We still can. As soon as Razor, we get the news, he gets the job, you watch it change overnight. It'll change overnight. If Ian Smith was capable of doing, not Ian Smith, bloody Wayne Smith was capable of doing what he did with those ladies, you watch, put it this way, I think the Crusaders could beat France. I don't think the All Blacks can. Definitely not twice. Yeah, fair comment. Fair comment. Got lots of calls, Dino. Thanks for kicking us off. Let's go down to Christchurch. Talk to Mikey. G'day, Mikey. Oh, Staffy, how are you? Good, man. Hey, uh, I've, there's, there's three very gettable people, and there's three of them, and it's more because they just seem really interesting cats. And I just love to, to work out their um, culture. So one would be Razor, um, obvious. Mm. Uh, one would be Eddie Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, and one would be the um, coach for the um, Breakers. Now, I don't really follow basketball that much, but again, I mean, he's done something quite incredible this year. So I guess the question would be, what's your philosophy on coaching? Heavy question to start. Good one, But eh? these guys seem to, I mean, Eddie in his first two years, I mean, Razor from whenever he's coaching, this guy, is it Modi? Is that his name? Modi Moore, yep. Yeah, I mean, they've got something going on. Very interesting in their heads and the culture that they bring. And I'd just be very curious to see how they bring that about. I've had, I've talked to Matty Moore a couple of times. First time really engaging. Last week, not so, because he's, he's, he's in the middle of a season and he's so focused on yeah. the next game. You, you bring a good point. I might actually try and get Matty Moore post-season and just tr- yeah. even try and get him in studio for half an hour and get his philosophy because he has he's unlocked something there and the, the, and the collective nature of that team, bringing him imports and they play like they've been here for three or four seasons, that's coaching. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's just, and I just think very fascinating, actually. And, and if you ever get Razor, just say, what's been go- what goes on in your head? <laughs> because... <laughs> I don't know if Razor knows. He's such a freestyler. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, have a good show, mate. Cheers, Mikey. Thanks, buddy. We go down to Paraparaumu. Para Umu. Talk to Zane. G'day, Zane. G'day, mate. Just notice I was out there supporting Gull today, promoting the image, uh, promoting the, the sponsors there. Nice. Yes, I tagged you on, on Twitter with you, mate. Oh, yes, I saw that. Yes, thank you. you. Top man. Thank you very much. Hey, um, quickly, a couple of points. The first one is about um, the, the interviews. I think the caveat is they get a truth serum and have to answer honestly. Um, <laughs> that'll make it more interesting. Yeah. Uh, the guy I'd like, like you to get would be um, Cam Smith, Kiwi Caddy. I think it'd be a really interesting chat about, you know, this whole transition into the live golf, how he feels with the way that they've looked after the caddies versus how the um, PGA did. I think that'd be a really interesting chat and getting to know a bit about Cam Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other other thing is um, the, the rugby. I still feel like we've got a bit of recency bias with everyone wanting um, Razor. We had this exact same conversation just before the last World Cup and everyone was saying the same things about Dave Rennie, mate. He delivered it at um, Super Rugby level. He was basically turned down through lack of international experience. He's gone away and done that, and then in that time everyone's forgotten about what he achieved at Super Rugby and did exactly the same as Razor has, but has that international experience now. He'd be the first guy, or likewise with um, Jamie Joseph, with some of the things he's done with Japan. Mm-hmm. Logically, those two guys make more sense to me because Razor's never done anything outside Canterbury. Mm-hmm. That said, I'd be happy with it. Um, and the last point is, Merry Christmas, mate. 
Christmas tomorrow, the rugby league finally kicks off for the Warriors. <laughs> I love it, mate. I love your passion for the Wawas. That's awesome. Cheers, mate. Cheers, mate. That's the warrior holic. That Zane from Paraparaumu. We go to Upper Hut. Gary, g'day, Gary. G'day, Steph. Hey, um, I'm going to go down the basketball line myself. I'd, I'd go with Stephen Adams, though. I'd love to hear from him. And the first question I'd have is, are you ever going to put that black singlet on? I can tell you this. I've interviewed Stephen Adams once, and the proviso was I didn't ask that question. Yeah, he's got to talk at some stage, though, doesn't he? And, and, I, and he I, think he on, what, I think he will. I think he will. I think his beef is with, and again, speculation. Uh, New Zealand basketball won't say, and he won't say, speculation is the way he was treated when he was a young fella with no support, no assistance, no nothing. Yeah. And then he made oh, something yep, of himself. Yeah, made something of yeah. himself and then say, oh, come back. And he's like, you didn't want to know me then. Why should I know you now? And different people react differently, don't they? Yeah, but I mean, come on, let's get over it. You know, um, yeah, life's tough, and okay, for him, it wasn't great. Mm. Then. Get there, get that profile back from New Zealand basketball, and make it better. Mm. He's, he's got actually got that power. I, I think it'd be really great to hear from him because I mean, I mean, the guy's a superstar, and you know, New Zealand basketball could really do with a person like him on board. I'm not even a basketball fan, but yeah, I, I think that you know, if he if you had to ask him a question, he had to answer honestly. I think it would would be very interesting. Yeah, well, rest assured, every time he comes to New Zealand, I try and get him. Uh, but you've got yeah, to go through yep. through about three levels of minders. He's very hard to get to, but I did get to him oh, once. Oh, I imagine. I did get yeah. to him once, and, um, yeah, I had a talk to him, but I, he wouldn't do a radio interview, so there you go. I try. Yeah. I'll oh, keep well, trying, though. Keep trying. I will. <laughs> good on you, Gary. All right. Have a good show. Cheers, buddy. Uh, we go to Zaid from Auckland, of course. Uh, Zaid, you want me to interview uh israel adesanya john jones uh dustin poirier who do you want me to interview i don't think i don't know if it'd be possible but bruce buffer would be the most ever entertaining interview ever mate i like that i like buffer imagine him hey staffy how's it going (laughs) it's time I could say to him, do you know? I could say to him, do you know what the time it is in New Zealand? He go no, and I go, it's time. Do you know, they reckon that they reckon one time he got so hyped calling the fighters, he apparently just tore his whole ACL apart. <laughs> <laughs> what would be your first question you'd want me to ask Bruce Buffer? How high does your heart rate go when you're calling a, when you're when you're announcing a fight? Okay, I like that. And um, there, but there is a blues that we we uh, we need to hear from on um the radio, and that's Rico Yawani. And I've already got a question: mm. Does he rather playing thirteen or fourteen? And um, how does he feel his rise to fame was with playing? Uh, he's like being one of the youngest ever All Blacks. So I reckon um he is the interview that you need to get on the um show from the Blues this year. All right, I'll work on that, mate. That's Rico. I will work yeah. on that. Thank you. All right, mate. There we go. You ask. I will try and deliver people. 0800 150 811 is the number. So, so far we've got Ian Foster. Why did you hang around? Razor, Eddie Jones, Modi Moore, your philosophy on coaching. Cam Smith's caddy. I quite like that. He's actually been on the station before, I think on breakfast, um, talking about caddying for Cam Smith, but that was pre-Live Golf. Like that. Stephen Adams, when he comes to New Zealand, I try every time, people, and I'll keep trying. Uh, Bruce Buffer, I like that. I, 
I'd back myself to be able to get him, actually. I'm going to give that one a whirl. Enrico Ioane, I'll put in a request for the Blues, and I'll say any time, any day, in studio, and leave it open and see if we can get him on. I might actually go through someone I know that's mates with him and see if we can make that happen. And we had a whole lot of text as well with some um, interview suggestions. So if you can't manage to get on the phone, which is 0800 150 811, the Temper Bedpost text machine is always available to you for anything you want. Um, that is double eight double three. Just quickly on the um, Bruce Buffer thing, you know those, uh, you know Swish and those yep. kind of websites. Uh, Bruce Buffer's on one of those, and he will do you a whole introduction. So if you send him through a little, you know, a little spiel about you or your mate that you want him to video it, um, he will put a whole video on, you know, fighting out of Palmerston North, <laughs> you know, um, and someone <laughs> hired him to do a breakup. Oh, no. <laughs> and it was like, it's time for Tim to move on. <laughs> You're out of here. How heartbreaking would that be? Oh, that would be devastating. All right, so give us a yelp. Who's your favourite interview that we can try and track down? 0800 We'll take a break. We'll come back. We've got Darren from Aussie on the line. We'll get to him and join in. Who's some interviews you want from us this year? Uh, Ken's just texted in and said NZRU have responded to the Razor saying process of next coach is not imminent or immediate, one of those two. Um, So they've they've reacted. I appreciate that, Ken, but they should front foot, not react. You know, that's what I'd like to see. Anyway, we go to Melbourne, talk to Darren. G'day, Darren. Hey, Staffy, how are you? Good, thanks, Darren. Oh, my wish list, is, and I know this is, you said not to ring him, but he's been in a perfect world, Roger Federer, I think would be, <laughs> would be great, but yeah, that's not, that's not realistic. I'm um, writing him down, I'm writing him down, you never know. But one I think could be realistic, John McEnroe would be pretty good. Yeah. He'd have a few yarns. Boy, would he? Jeepers, imagine. I'd, um, I'd just about soil myself if John McEnroe said yes, he'll come on the show. <laughs> Well, you you never know. Like he's probably you know he comes out to the Oz Open, even though he didn't make it this year. But um, but on another thing, maybe a Super Rugby piece. Where are they now? Where are these players now? Like a Rodney Soiello, what's he up to? What's Ben Smith up to? What's Reg Goods up to? Um, you know, yep. players that are not playing anymore. Any franchise, I'd love anything like that. But what are they doing now? What are they? You know, what yep. are they doing after rugby? I've actually, I've actually got a new segment that we're working on behind the scenes at the moment, which will probably tick a lot of those boxes. I don't really want to give too much away, but um, it's a concept that's going to take quite a bit of work behind the scenes, but once we've got it going, it should all fall into place, but very much along those lines. Oh, okay, oh, that's great, because, I mean, it's great when they're in the limelight, but these guys, you know, us old fellas... We're sort of curious to see how the, what they're up to. Yeah, we did a few at the end of last year with, um, just trying to think, we did Mark Ramby, we did, um, gosh, why did their names escape me? Um, the guy that's opened the gym in Pukekohe, who was forced out through injury. Another guy's got a pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical company and opened it just before COVID hit, and he was supplying hand sanitizer before COVID was even here. And his business is exploded. <laughs> Mitch Graham, was it? That's who that was. So, yeah, we've had some, but we're going to start those again next week as well, thanks to the Rugby Players Associations. A bit of a where are they now as well. Not the rock stars, like the Super Rugby and NPC players. Really interesting stories. Okay. All good, mate. Yeah, any of them. That, that, that's great. Good mm. on you. Awesome. Thanks, Steffi. Have a good one. Cheers, Darren. You too. As always, yeah, thank bye. you for calling. We go to Simon from Hamilton. G'day, Simon. 
G'day, Staffy. Um, I'm thinking not too unachievable, and he's probably been on. I'm not sure who he was, but I think you need to get Ryan Fox on. Yep. He's home shortly from before he goes to the Masters. Uh, Three-part question. Um, did uh, How did he enjoy playing with Rory? Yep. Did he learn? Did he learn anything off Rory? And did he enjoy the fist bump that Rory gave him after he stuffed it inside Rory's close tee shot on the past three? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. Um, I'm actually I'm, I'm giving away a few trades. I'm actually going to try and get him in studio uh, week after next. He gets back. I think he gets back on the 14th of February. I've been in touch with him. He is coming back on the 14th. I need him to sign a painting for a charity auction. He said, good as gold. So I'm going to try and get him to come into the studio to sign the painting and then nab him for half an hour and chuck him on him on the mic. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see how we go. Keep us informed if you get him. Yeah, I will. When you get him. Definitely. But when? There we go. When? Yeah. I like it. Cheers, buddy. Um, Good stuff. I, I'm I'm actually so pleased with the reaction. I've got a lot of texts which I'll get to, but they manage the the calls first, so we'll go to the next one. Uh, Joey, g'day, Joey. Yeah, g'day, Steph. Yeah, look, um, I would, uh, in an ideal world, I'd like to get uh, to get on this one, a Smithy. If you get on Harry Kane and ask him if he's going to Manchester United, but that, that may not happen. But, <laughs> but with the Ryan Fox, um, with the Ryan Fox, uh, yeah, I'd love to have him on and just ask him. Um, with a caddy, uh, does he have his own caddy all the time, or and and how much? Do, not not so much. How much do they get, or how much does a caddy earn? You know, uh, per year, or do they have the, do they have different caddies? Caddy, you know, caddies from in different tournaments. You know, I know mm. I know some of the like Roy McIlroy has his own caddy. I don't know whether Ryan Fox does, and th- that's a question I, I I just like to know. I know they do they. Um, yeah, just something like that, if he, if he could. As I say, I would love to you get on Harry Kane and ask him if he's going to the Mighty Manchester United. <laughs> that would really up Smithy. I mean, um, but, uh, yeah. Just, but, on, uh, just on the caddies, a basic caddy contract yeah. is 5% of winnings, 10% of majors. Um, but the bigger caddies will put, uh, sorry, the bigger players will put caddies on a retainer plus percentage so it was reported when Steve Williams was with Tiger Woods he was on a million dollars a year plus five percent and ten percent of regular tour and majors so the caddies for the big rock stars um, they are fully immersed it's a 24-7 job they're away from home continuously but they get well remunerated yeah just on just on that too Steph just on the all backs if, if the if the All Blacks that are playing now, if they want to go to um, you know make some money in Japan and that, that's fine. As far as I'm concerned, they can go, but um, don't don't double dip. You know what I mean? Mm. In my opinion, if you want to go, you go and don't become an All Black again. Don't try to say, oh, I want to get back into the All Blacks. I mean, that's how I look at it. I think too many of them are going. And they, look, I, I know they're trying to look after themselves. I don't have a problem with that. But um, you know. Everyone, as I've said to you on this station before, Steph, everyone that has come back has never been the same player before they leave. They take a long but time to get back go, up mate. to speed, don't they? They take a long time. Yep, good on you. Always good chatting, Joey. Well, Cheers, bud. Um, one more call before the news. Uh, kia ora, Ed. Kia ora, my bro. bro. Get Graham Lowe 
phone and asked him why he um, called me too big and the schoolboy carries. That's a big chip on my shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> Get over it, Ed. But anyway, <laughs> that's all I have to say. <laughs> Come on, thanks, Ed. Okay, Graham Lowe, why didn't you pick Ed? Why did you say he's too big? Don't you want big in your rug, rugby league? Ah, some great ideas. Some great ideas. Um, get Vlandis on and explain the standoff with the players. Thanks, staff. Patrick, Auckland City. Do you think Peter Vlandis would take our call? He's got a bit on. Yeah, he, he's he's pretty busy. Like he, he almost single-handedly saved the NRL during COVID. He was belligerent, and he ruffled feathers. But without that belligerence, who knows where the NRL would be now. He also turned around Victorian racing. That was just about belly up, and he turned it around, somehow convinced the government and tourism sectors to pour in millions and saved it, and now look at it, it's flying. So like him or not, his modus operandi, he can be quite divisive, but you can't argue with his results. And the one that's in front of him, of him at the moment is a huge challenge. And it's like, is he prepared to put the ego and belligerence aside to get a resolution? I don't know if he's got it in him. Andrew Abdo probably has. I can only imagine the conversations between Abdo and Philandis. It'd be, it's such a sticky situation. And we're still none the wiser, and it's been going for a while now. We should try and get Clint Newton, actually, who's the rugby player's uh, rep, whether we could get him on to talk to us. Um, he was on uh, two weeks ago with uh, Stephen McIver. Was he? Yeah, um, just basically outlining what it was that the RLPA was asking for, because at that time this was before the green squares on social media and all that, before yes. anyone actually knew what they were on about. So, um, Well, an update. It's, it's, yeah, definitely. Let's try and get him. Okay. All right, 0800-150-811. Still happy to take your calls uh, after the break. Your dream, your dream interview subjects that we can have got a good chance of getting. And what's the question you'd want us to ask as well? Got a great list on the text machine, which I'll get to as well. But don't be afraid to give us a yell. 0800-150-811. Back after the news. Vodafone has one awesome summer of sport lined up for you. Making SENZ news this hour, the West Papua National Liberation Army has claimed responsibility after a New Zealand pilot was taken hostage. Reuters says the group stated the man won't be released until the Indonesian government acknowledges the independence of West Papua. Time's running out for rescue teams in Turkey and Syria who've been working through the night in freezing conditions to try and find survivors from the deadly earthquakes that have left 7,800 dead with fears that number could rise above 20,000. And up to 1,000 new homes could be on the way for Dunedin after new sites were rezoned for greenfield developments. For all the latest news from rural New Zealand, download the Rural Roundup podcast on the SENZ app. SENZ Radio NZ Sport is coming up. Download the SENZ app today and listen live or catch up on anything you missed from your favourite show. The Breakers were largely overlooked at the Aussie NBL Awards last night in Melbourne despite their resurgence to nail second spot in the regular season. But import guard Barry Brown Jr. was recognised as the best sixth man and paid tribute to coach Modi Moore. You got to credit Coach Modi and, uh, uh, and, and, and those guys for 
uh, get, getting us all together. We, we came in together and we all had one common goal just to win games and um, we put our egos and pride to the side and uh, things like that for the betterment of the team and I think it's working. More Inside 30 on SENZ. All the big moments from the world of sport. SENZradio.nz Waterforce, your local water management partner. Cloudy periods across Auckland with a few showers. Southwesterly's picking up during the afternoon. 24 the high down to 17 overnight. Catch live commentary from the first Australia-India cricket test starting tomorrow on SENZ. Well, listen, Buster, you better start to move your feet to the rockin'est beat of madness. I really do appreciate the calls that have been coming in and the text messages as well. I've just sort of realised the Rural Roundup is on half the state, well, probably three-quarters of the station, so uh, the listeners uh, that are hearing me right now, which is the main metropolitan areas, I think it might just be Auckland and Wellington. No, Mikey's listening because he was Christchurch. Maybe he's an app listener. I don't know. There's so many ways you can listen to us. Uh, do get the app. Um, it's, a, it's probably the best way to listen, um, and you can regionalise it too. Um, Zade's texted in another one and said Sean Marks from the Brooklyn Nets. Hard man to get a hold of, but we've got the New Zealand card, so we should be able to get him. Let's let's maybe try and work on him. Um, before. I think he's in the country too. I saw him sideline at a Breakers game maybe a week or two ago. Oh, did you? Mm. Why would he be here now? Probably just sick of it. <laughs> <laughs> Had it a might, gutsful. Might have been a couple of weeks ago, to be fair. Yeah. Sean Marks, okay, he's going to write him down. I have got so many names, and I've only written the names that's come out from the phone calls, and I've already got a page. I'm actually pretty good mates with Dirk Nowitzki, so maybe I could ask him if he knows Sean Marks. (laughs) (laughs) Dirk Nowitzki, you'll never forget that. Um, Won't let anyone else either. (laughs) (laughs) Someone said, surely you have to get the real Wayne Bennett on for staff. Yeah, I had the fake one on last year. Um, One of the highlights of the show last year was I got, Punked by Wayne Bennett impersonator. I don't know if you heard that, Manai. Did you hear me get punked? Absolutely, I did. We were do- setting up for a show we were doing from Mount Smart Stadium ahead of the Warriors playing that same day. Right. And when we heard Wayne Bennett was on the show, we couldn't believe it. Beaver was pacing around the little <laughs> box where we were and he said, how the hell did he get Wayne Bennett? How the hell did he get Wayne Bennett? We were all enthralled. And then um, when, uh, what was her name? Was it Katie Brown? Katie Brown. He came on and said, Staff, that's an impersonator, mate. Uh, it got all of us. It was just magnificent. Yep. And I wasn't even pooey about it because I was hook, line, and saying you just got to take it on the chin. Speaking of great interviews last year, that guy that's on TV now, Frank Nobolo, one of my favourite interviews we've done. Just brilliant. Uh, give us a yell, 0800 150 uh, Get through a couple of text messages. Uh, LeBron James, what's it like to be the greatest scorer in history? Simon, I'd love to get LeBron. I just can't see it happening. Not saying I won't try. Uh, Staffy, I'd like to get Ben Stokes. We're working on Ben Stokes as we speak, Ken. We are working on Ben Stokes. We've been in touch with England's media manager. Um, so who knows? Might be able to get Ben Stokes, but we are trying that. That goes on my list, though. Definitely goes on my list. 0800 150 11. All about the calls. We go to Dunedin and say g'day to Cliff. G'day, Stabby. How are you this afternoon? Great, thanks, Cliff. Hey, good. That's good. Hey, uh, I'd like to hear from David White or Stead, our 
New Zealand cricket coach on anything about New Zealand cricket going forward. Are we allowed to use players that aren't have don't have central contracts, or the guys that haven't got central contracts who previously did play for New Zealand, the likes of De Gronholm and and Bolt, that we can play guys who haven't got a contract who haven't played before. So we can pick guys who haven't got a contract, but but we won't play them. We'll play them, but we won't pick Bolt or De Gronholm. And I'd like to ask David White. Where does he see New Zealand cricket going? Because to me, they're very short on information. You know, we've got two World Cups. We've got the girls over in the South Africa at the moment. And there's been very little about from New Zealand cricket uh, on with, with you guys. It's just a shame that there's only occasionally there'll be a, a, one of the girls who plays or maybe somebody involved in the women's game. But... New Zealand cricket seems to be very, very quiet at the moment about anything regarding uh, teams going forward, players going forward, you know, competitions. The India problem, sending back the coach, the bowling coach, the captain, the captain of the test side, all coming home when we were playing the one-day World Cup in that uh, area later in the year. Mm -hmm. For some reason, we decided we'd bring them all back, but we don't hear anything from management of New Zealand cricket about why that happened or whether it was they saw it, it was a need or why Bolt can't play because they don't deem him because he hasn't signed a contract. But other guys can get plenty of time off, e.g. Uh, Kane Williamson. He seems to be able to miss series with injuries. Then he'll play for the in the go over and play in India. They'll come back as uh, injured or won't play again in another series. So... To me, Bolt was the one of the first picked in the team and he should have been given as much leeway as they could to keep him in that side playing. He could have been playing against England, but we didn't. We don't know the answer because no one was able to answer the question to them, were they? No, and again, speculation is I've heard that Trent Bolt's been told he won't play Test cricket for New Zealand unless he's got a contract. Um, and whether that was to call his bluff or try and make him sign a contract or whatever, I don't know. But again, speculation, but that's what I've been told. But there's other players that get picked to play in a test match who haven't got a central contract. That's right. Or play one-day cricket. So you don't have to have a contract. You don't have to have a contract to play for New Zealand. And now it looks to me like because Bolt wouldn't sign one and he probably wasn't given enough leeway to go and play in other leagues, he could have probably played half the games for New Zealand and still gone and played in the these bits and pieces or, you know, other stuff. But he wasn't given that chance. Uh, they were happy. They probably thought we'd done enough recently for these guys and maybe they do earn good money or whatever. But at the end of the day, if we want to keep progressing as, as a top-tier nation in the top three or four, we've got to play our best players. We can't let guys... Uh, not play because we they haven't signed a contract or give them too much t- time off. You know, going to India and losing three, all those series, even though we say, oh, we should have called it a development side. It should have been the New Zealand A team. Sending it away as the official black caps without management, coaching and senior players, especially with other guys that we didn't pick, you know, we look like a pretty under underwhelming sort of a team to go away in that, especially when the World Cup's there. So, you know, if David White's, you know, he's been in that job for about 15 years now, 
Tommy moved on. Tom they freshened the whole place up. Stead as well. If they're going to split the teams up and have a 2020 management and team, they need to be separate, you know, mm. from the test side. You know, to me, it's it's it, they're just trying to get everything out of nothing at the moment, and that it's just just not working for me. Mm. And I, I'm sure for a lot of other people who are follow good followers of New Zealand cricket. Yeah, I think uh, most people would agree with you as well. We just need a bit of a clap, bit more clarity bit more communication, um, I'm with you. So I've written down David White slash Gary Stead. I've written them down. Yeah, well, hopefully they're sitting at home uh, resting up for, for the series coming. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be an awesome series. Having said all of that, what an awesome series that's going to be. Good to have, have you on, it, yep. as always. Great chatting. One more call before we take a break. Graham Marlborough, formerly Northland. G'day, Graham. G'day, Steph. Um... Two or three quick things. Has Amy Saithwaite put a name forward for the WIPL? Because if, if she hasn't, she should. She'd, I mean, she'd be a good buy either as a player, coach, or, you know, that's, she's a bit of a waste of a talent, I think. I think she's moved into coaching domestically. I think she's part of the coaching system of the Canterbury women's team. I might be wrong. I'm just going yeah, off a very still, foggy yeah, memory. Yeah. She's still playing for them too, so she mm. had cracked a 75 the other day, so I think she'd be a good buy for someone over there. Yeah. Um, the people I'd like to get would be Glenn Moore and and find out what, what exactly went on in that tour, what, what was said, because there's all sorts of speculation still, and, and, and I feel sorry for the way the end result, you know, the, mm. end, the end result for him. Yeah. I think you know you and anybody could have got that team to the semi-finals of the women's World Cup. Just look at our pool; there was no one in our pool, so you and I could have done it, mate. Mm. Just tell them to run the just tell them to run the bloody ball. Yeah. So we would have got to the semi-finals, and then after that, it was yeah, game on. The heavier one I'd like to have the yarn to, and the other one after what's happened this morning with Razor, the interview. Who knows if he's going to get the coaching job? But if he doesn't. Uh, I'd like to know was he offered a contract last year? Because there's all again, there's all sorts of speculation. You know, poor uh, Gregor Paul. Gregor Paul says he was, and what, if it wasn't for that South African win, Foster was sacked. Blah blah blah. So I'd really like to know. We'll probably never find out. But if he doesn't get the job, it'd be good to. He'd probably tell us actually. Mm, I think he but would. If, if he, he doesn't get it, I think he would. I think he would tell us. And and someone mentioned you know earlier the earlier caller that Razor's done nothing. I don't know, makes six or seven titles. He took an under twenty team to a world title. Took the Barbarians and gave our C team a whoop a whooping at the end of last year. Dave Rennie's got a thirty eight percent success rate with Australia. I know who I'd rather have coaching the All Black. Mm. And it's it's not Dave Rennie at the moment. Yeah. Or, but I'd go. But Jamie Joseph would be. I'd, I'd handle him. I think he'd. He'd make a good all-black coach. Yeah. But, yeah, I hope Razor gets it, but, yeah. We won't hurt our breath. It's a bit of honesty. Like, like, the, like the last caller said, some bloody honesty would be good, eh? Yeah, it We would. pay their wages, mate. Do they forget that we pay their wages? <laughs> we need to remind <laughs> them. subscriptions and, mm-hmm. you know, we go to the t- games, we go to the tests, we subscribe and all the rest. We listen to this show. Uh, money, you know, they get money from sponsors through us. We pay their wages, man. A bit of honesty would be really nice. Mm. I got hey, that's me, mate. Have a good show. Awesome stuff, as always. Take care, brother. Cheers, buddy. This is Graham um, out of Marlborough, Formula Northern. Back in a moment. 
Righto, got a bunch of texts to get through and some great ideas. One from Kimberly says, one of the Warriors spokespeople was talking about junior development the other day. He mentioned a group house they have set up for the development players. I'd be interested to know more about how that works, what they do daily, who runs the house, values, challenges, diet, daily routines, further education and getting to training. Kimberly, you're like my research assistant. That's exactly the sort of stuff I like doing. So that's going into the folder. That's getting written down. Uh, G'day, Steph. I'd love to hear from Corey Anderson. I think Corey Anderson's in the States, isn't he? Developing cricket in the States. I think that's where he is. Corey, 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 Corey Anderson. He bats and balls. That's Corey Anderson. Sean Marks, another one for Sean Marks. And Russell Coots from PD. I'll get to work on the Russell Coots one. I've got an avenue in there. Uh, an interview with Steve Waugh and how do you beat India at home? He loves India and was at the helm the last time Aussie won the BGT. What's that? Bought a Gavaskar trophy. Okay, Steve Waugh. And here's another one asking for Steve Waugh. Uh, Staffy, I'd like a... I'd like a good interview with the man with 34,000 first-class runs, 103 first-class hundreds, Glenn Turner, on more aggressive test matches England are doing. Stephen, good shout. Great ideas coming in from you fine folk. Um, Staffy, it's a wonder that Zaid from Bluesland didn't want you to interview the whole Blues team. Uh, That's from Kanu, Hurricane Land. (laughs) I'm not surprised. He'd like that. We should have a blues hour. Um, Where else have we got? What about asking Peter Hanscom if fielding with sandpaper in your undies hurts? (laughs) Um, From Adam. Any of the Kiwi golfers kicking butt overseas? Foxy, Lids, Dan Hillier, Steve Elker. I've tried incessantly for Steve Elker. He leaves me on scene and he talks to breakfast. I'm not bitter, but he's going well. Yeah, Dan Hilly, I might be able to get to actually. He had a good, he had a good three rounds in the last tournament in the World Tour. Um, and Zaid wants Alexander Volkanovsky. Can you get him on the show? I probably need him before this weekend, Zaid. Eh? Because I reckon after this weekend he might have trouble talking. Bang! I love Volk. Oh, I love Volkanovsky. Um, Dave Dillon. Ask him why the All Blacks take so long to transition back into New Zealand footy. Also get him to talk you through how rugby works in Japan. Given he took Kobe from the bottom of the uh, championships the first year with the club, he'd have a lot of good info. Yes, and I actually know him. I can probably get him on. Hadn't even thought of that. It's amazing the people you know and you, you know, you're just under the pump all the time trying to find things. So Dave Dillon, that's a great shout. Very good shout. Thank you. That's uh, Zane has come up with that one. So double eight double three. Text in your suggestions. Um, probably out of time for a phone call now. Um, and someone's just said the All Blacks twenty twenty three test schedule came out yesterday, and it goes around the FIFA Football Women's World Cup. And I think that's why I also read yesterday that this is the first year since nineteen seventy six that the All Blacks aren't going to play at Eden Park this calendar year and that'll be to do with the FIFA World Cup anyway we'll come back we'll wrap it up and I'll preview what's coming up for the rest of the show uh, coming up very soon after the news we're going to be joined by two time Paralympic gold medalist in the long jump Anna Grimaldi there is a big meet on this week and there's a few actually there's a couple in New Zealand one in Australia it really is the peak time for track and field in New Zealand and in Australia 
And of course, uh, remember we spoke to Sam Tanner, I'm going to say last week, maybe the week before, and then he's just broken records deluxe over in the US. Um, thought he was going to win and he got dipped on the line, but uh, ran the third fastest time. Track and field's on the rise in New Zealand, I feel like. The, the times, the class of athlete, the youngsters coming through, um, including in the para sports as well. So one of our best-performed para track and field stars, Anna Grimaldi, will join the show after one. If you've got any questions for her, actually, um, I'd be really keen to, to get them involved. And I've loved having your input over the last hour. Really, really awesome ideas, which we are going to definitely take on board and make it a note of all of them. So questions for Anna Grimaldi, our Paralympian two-time gold medalist in the long jump. She'll join the show after one. Get your messages, get your questions in double eight double three. We'll be back after Johnny Mack. Welcome in. Welcome back in, folks. Uh, great to have your company this afternoon. Afternoons with Staffy in association with Gull, and they fuel your mission all year round. And we're going to be fueled by the delightful Anna Grimaldi, who joins us now, two-time Paralympic gold medalist. Anna, welcome in. Hello, thanks for having me. Oh, look, I've been wanting to talk to you for the longest time. Ever since I saw you competing at the Graham Douglas Invitational, I thought, there's a woman on a mission. You're quite into oh. it, aren't you? Yeah, definitely. I guess, yeah, I've, I've been doing it for a while now and I, and I love it, yeah. The thing that amazed me when I was looking at, at your history, Anna, was you started competing um, and then three years later you won gold medal at Rio. That's phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, that was not at all the plan at all. I didn't even think when I started I'd be in Rio, let alone winning. And um, yeah, it's still kind of hard to believe. Like, yeah, I, I, I was so shocked then. I mean, the distance, I knew I was capable of that distance, but didn't know that that would equal a gold. And yeah, just, yeah. It's still kind of hard to believe. Yeah. <laughs> and that first time, and, and then again in Tokyo four years later, you did it again. You're in a position that us mere minions of Kiwis don't get to stand on a dais with a gold medal round our neck and a New Zealand watching a New Zealand flag going up that pole, knowing New Zealand are just beaming with joy. How can you describe that feeling as the athlete that's earned that? I mean, I don't think you ever would get used to it. I've only done it twice and I just can't even fathom doing it again. Um, that's obviously the plan, but yeah, it's, it's um, it's just a huge, I know for me in Tokyo, it was just a huge sense of relief that um, the, the four years, five years prior to that had been incredibly tough and um, to have made it back, even competing at that competition, let alone um, winning again was insane. But yeah, it's just a proud feeling seeing your flag and, and, then, and then singing the national anthem. Um, yeah, it feels so much more special any, than any other time that I've ever sang it. So can you sort of wind your mind back to that Tokyo gold medal moment? Like so many athletes I talk to say the first emotion, the first reaction is relief. When when does relief become joy? I think for me it was totally on that podium. Um, I was incredibly relieved. That was, that was my main feeling throughout. I mean, I was just incredibly nervous the entire competition. I was you know, thinking, oh, where's the best place I can have a throw up somewhere? I'm doing the stuff and I was just so nervous. There was so much pressure and so much pressure I'd put on myself. I was ready to compete. And, and then when it was over, it was just an immense sense of relief. And then on the podium, I just remember just uncontrollably crying. Like I, I just, 
it hadn't sort of sunk in until that moment. That was probably an, an hour after we finished competing. And, um, yeah, it was just incredible. That's funny, you know, you, yeah. you, I, I watch, like I've watched sport my whole life and you see an athlete and they're bawling their eyes out and I'm, and I'm trying, to, trying to figure out how that must feel because I know how hard the likes of yourself. And, and if you look at someone like Sophie Pascoe, for example, she, she wins gold medals yeah. for fun and it gets her every time on the podium. And I th- is that a reflection of the hard work, the support, the family, the coaches, the training, the federations that all put into you and you've climbed the mountain? Yeah, definitely. I think, um, I mean, in that moment, there's been so many things that have got you there, but in that time, I think it's also um, acknowledging that you yourself managed to execute it, put it all together, and and that the day-in, day-out choice to continue and to put everything into it was, um, you know coming to fruition I guess as well like it's it is a slog a lot of the time I think especially for me um leading into Tokyo the the year leading into it was really fun but the the three years prior were incredibly tough and it was a conscious decision every day to wake up and go to training and um put in that effort and I think that relief and those tears were just knowing that um all of the effort not only me but everyone else put in as well was was um, you know, finally here and, and that we executed it the way we wanted to, yeah. So you, tell me about pressure and the pressure you put on yourself to want to perform to be the best for yourself and then the pressure to perform for others. Is that is that a real thing? Yeah, definitely. And they're, they're, they're different types, definitely. Um, I felt, obviously going into Tokyo, I'd won the previous Paralympics and, and that had been, you know, I won't say a fluke, but it had been come out of left field for me. I didn't exactly at all. I wasn't ranked anywhere near top of the field. And But going into Tokyo, it was a different feeling. I was ranked number one by a considerable margin. And um, going in there knowing that I actually had the... I was totally capable of winning. For, like winning. Um, that was a really interesting feeling. And one, the pressure, like that type of pressure I'd never felt before because it had always been either the underdog I'd just started, um, I'd never won anything before, or I'd been injured and coming back from injury. And um, this was the first time where I felt like, you know what, like there was actually nothing in the way of stopping me jumping big here. Um, And I think that was a lot of pressure too, knowing you're capable of something and then actually going, well, now I've actually got to do it. Um, But yeah, also the pressure of, and it's not pressure, it's it's lovely having people be in your corner, Mm. having people want you to succeed and, put just as much into their job their job might not be um actually physically training or writing programs but it's um their massage or um even just a friend talk to my parents you know um having that sort of pressure is a really nice type of pressure it obviously mm. adds to to the not stress but the um the feelings on the day but it, it's a really lovely thing to have um yeah um IPC Athletics World Championships have been had a bit of a break because of COVID. Am I right in saying you've got a World Championships this year? Yes, we do. Um, sort of mid-July in Paris. So I see 2015 bronze, 2019 silver. You know what happens this yeah. year, eh? Yeah, I know. It's kind of <laughs> I like I've managed to peak 
just at the two pinnacles in the last um, <laughs> eight, nine years and haven't managed to do any in between. So it'll be interesting. Um, there's a lot of new people coming through and they're pretty good. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll be there. I'll be giving it my all. Of course you will. Of course you will. Talking about <laughs> peaking and tapering and all of that, how much of how much management of your physical getting to peak, how much work and study of your body and your physiology goes into that? Because I'd imagine every athlete's different. Yeah, definitely. And I think, um, yeah, it's it's huge. I mean, I think I often get the question, have I started training yet Mm. for a a game? And and it never stops. Like I started training um, just over nine years ago and I have only had stints of, you know, a couple of, weeks off here and there bar, bar time for injury but they never rest um and it never stops it's it's a constant thing we're learning every week every day of what makes us tick and I think um now that I'm getting even older there's more to learn and I understand my body a bit better but it comes with its own you know nuances and I think um yeah it's, it's a big and it's not something that I ever have to really worry about that's always um, I've had awesome coaches and um, their, that's their job to sort of figure out how and how they get, best get me into the right, you know, um, the right position leading into a world champ. So it's not really on my shoulders. I trust them. So, um, yeah, but it is a big job. Have you had um, issues with injury? Because like you, I've watched you live, you run flat out and I'm just thinking about the energy and um, almost shockwaves that must go through your body on that plant foot when you're going at full speed and you're exploding off that one foot maximum effort, that must put a lot of stress, I don't know, foot, ankle, knee, back, the whole lot. Yeah, that's that's exactly right, and, and that's sort of what happened um, back in 2017. I That was the year I came forth at World Champs. I didn't know, but at the time I was competing with a stress fracture in my foot just from that repeated takeoff, repeated strain and pressure and force going through that foot from takeoff and probably poor mechanics, which we've worked really hard over the last um, six or so years to improve to not have that issue happen again. Um, but, yeah, it does take its toll. But, I mean, in saying that the, the best jumps are usually the ones that are easiest on the body, um, the ones where you're not fighting fighting physics and you're just letting it happen and, those are the ones you always strive for because you, your body doesn't break down during that. And, yeah, that's the goal, I guess. So what about your progress um, over the last couple of years? Like, <clears throat> you're you're very measurable. It's distance. That's the be-all, end-all, how far you can jump. Um, you know, you, I, I don't, I'm not sure what your PB is at the moment. Is it still 591? Yeah, yep, I did that in 2020. Um and that was uh, 2021, actually. Um, and, yeah, you're right. It's so black and white. Athletics, you can't hide anywhere. You either run, jump, throw, a distance of time. It is what it is. And I think that can be quite scary. Um, there's been a lot of changes recently. Um, and I'm really excited to see where they go. You never know whether or not they show up immediately or they take a while to sink in. But, um, yeah. I'm looking forward to, you know, sort of early season for me. I'm competing a lot through this end of the this, the New Zealand season and then through to Aussie and then into World Champs. So there's a lot a lot more times where I'll get to piece myself and, and 
I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, because I'd imagine at this level, when I've spoken to um, both Liv McTaggart and Eliza McCartney, and it's like re- rewiring your mechanics and you'll take a step mm. backwards before you can take a step forwards. So are you forever evolving and trying to discover the right recipe for you to be able to jump the furthest you can? Yeah, definitely. And I think that's sort of where we got to in 2021. Like I, I made a big breakthrough um, there and, you know, jumped a 20-something centimetre PB and, and that felt really amazing, but it kind of felt like I got to, not the ceiling of what I could do there, but like with my, my that current technique, that technique in 2021, that was sort of getting up to the upper limit of where I could pro- probably go. And so it was sort of, had to make some big calls and um, try and look where we could get some distance elsewhere. And I think that's the thing, you've got to trust the process that you are going in the right direction, even if it is your body's still getting used to applying force in those new patterns. And um, and also, you know, um, it's hard to break that cycle when you go into stressful environments. Your body just wants to do what it's comfortable with and mm. it takes a while to be able to get used to it and, you know, jump in competition the way you've been practicing and training I find anyway so um yeah it's all a learning curve but it's hard sometimes to trust the process but it's what you've got to do I guess yeah Yeah. you do trust the process there's a line for all athletes eh? hey look you've got the Porrick Classic on this weekend um you you won't want to put too much pressure on yourself as you say you're going to compete a lot from (laughs) now on so do you see yourself a distance goal, a technique goal in, in an event like this? What do you set that you want to achieve out of this weekend? Yeah, I mean, it's never, it's never... For me, I find I don't really love setting the distance goals. Obviously, just because it is so black and white, like, that is literally an, the outcome. That's what you'll be seeing on the piece of paper on, you know, Saturday afternoon after the comp is what I've jumped. But it's that's really hard to pick. It, you know, it could be windy, could be really hot, could be cold. You know, there's so many um, sort of other things that play into the distance. So I guess we're going to go for, te- like, I usually just see the technical thing that I would like to focus on. And usually it's something that we've been doing in training. Um, and, yeah, we've made a few changes recently. So there, there'll be a few things that I'm trying to trying to put together out there. But, I mean, it's just, it's sort of my first, it's my first, proper competition this season uh this this year sorry and um yeah so I'm kind of just looking to enjoy it I think the weather's meant to be lovely in Hamilton and um it's always nice to go away and um see other people and I love jumping with all the other um all the other jumpers um the women around the country it's always nice to get together um and some of them have made big improvements recently so I'm looking forward to watching them jump too um so yeah be brilliant. Um, two very easy questions I ask all athletes this at the end. You wake okay. up on the morning of competition. What do you fuel yourself with? What's your last meal? Hmm. I don't know. I think I'll probably have porridge this time <laughs> um, for breakfast. I don't know. It's kind of hard. Oh, well. It usually is what it is. And especially when we go away, like you just kind of got to grab what you can. But yeah. Bit of porridge. Probably porridge. And the last yeah. one, and even more importantly, and the answers I get to this are so varied, uh, the headphones are on, and you're warming up, you're getting Ooh. ready. What zones you in? What are your beats? What's your choice? 
and this this is one I I think lots of people are like pretty like have a lot of routines they're a bit superstitious about what they do before competition but I'm really the opposite um um go with the flow I think usually something that has a good beat something that makes you want to dance or um yes and usually something with some good lyrics that I can zone into into the competition as well get me in the mood um but yeah nothing specific really I love it I love that. Yeah. You just go with the flow. Porridge if you want, cornflakes if you want, toast if you want, rock and roll. Mm -hmm. Anna Grimaldi, I've loved chatting to you today. It's been really cool to get to know you a little bit better. We wish wish you all the very best for the Porridge Classic down there in Hamilton and and the season ahead. And uh, we'll stay in touch and love following your progress. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Brilliant. There she is, two-time gold medalist, in the Paralympics, Anna Grimaldi in the long jump. She is competing at the Porrick Classic, and I've watched her live. She's absolutely brilliant to watch. If you're in and around Hamilton, go down, watch it, support her, cheer for her, pass her some porridge, sing her a song that she can dance to. We'll come back in a moment. Current world and Paralympic champion. She's in the women's para shot put. Uh, of course, Anna Grimaldi, um, Daniel Aitchison. She's a Paralympic 100 bronze and 200 metre silver medalist. Uh, Camille French in the 1500 camp French. Laura Nagel, wonderful middle distance runners in the 3,000 metres. So some good athletes down there. Um, so we thank Anna for her time. Now, yesterday uh, we had Ken Mamalo on. We just thought we'd piece together a little bit for you. Um, now, yesterday, uh, Ken Mamalo, he talked about the energy that Robbie Farah and Benji Marshall have brought. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, if you just go back and look at the 05 team that um, they had back in the day and just the way they played and um, you know, it was all attacking footy and you know, Tim's philosophy around um, how we want to play is it's a simple game. All you got to do is score more points to them and you know, like like you said, you've got Benji and um, he's, he hasn't, he just finished not long ago so most of the boys that are in the sort of system and coming through the system and, and at West really look up to him and and same as Fast, I Robbie Frail. So um, that they've been really good on um, having on board. So um, yeah, just can't wait to see how it unfolds when the season starts. Of course, he mentions Robbie Fair and Benji Marshall and the head coach of West Tigers, Tim Sheens. He was on this morning with breakfast, and he gave his thoughts on that coaching setup. Benji, in particular, as you know, is going to be the the ongoing coach after my two years, uh, which is technically as an interim. Um, so, you know, I'm pushing him to take the lead uh, at training, and Benji, that is, and he's doing a great job. Robbie's supporting that firm, of course, brings a lot of experience into the group as well. So I think it's a good mixture. We're getting on really well. We haven't had a loss yet, <laughs> of course. That's always a good thing. <laughs> it's a good time of year. <laughs> um, yeah, this time of year. But uh, in saying that, you know, the they've bonded with the players really well, and I think, um, you know, we've put a lot of work and effort into to the style of play we want to use. Um, and yet at the same time, we, we, we haven't overloaded them. Uh, we're very careful about that. It's just early days yet, so um, we'll build our season as we go. Quite excited to see uh, the progress of West Tigers. They've had a fairly stumbling couple of seasons. Would that be fair to say, Manoa? I quite liked watching them the year before last, when Adam, because Adam Dewey was injured for most of last year. But the year before that, they were my sort of guilty pleasure team to watch. Because <laughs> a the, great phrase. Yeah, because on the one hand they sucked more than the Warriors, but on the other hand they had you know Adam Dewey, they had Nofaluma, um, a big fan of Kim Marmalo. Um, so. 
Jackson Hastings came on last year as well. I don't think that uh, the the changes that they've made are going to translate into massive changes on the field. But I don't mm. think they're going to climb the ladder that much more um, than where they were last year. But I do think that there's a value in having guys like Benji and Robbie Farah in there that people have seen do it, you know. I mean, how many times would every kid have watched that video of Benji? Stepping away, Marshall's still going now. <laughs> you know, that, that stuff's imprinted on people's minds. So a lot of these players don't know who Tim Sheens is, you know. Mm. Well, they know who he is now, but they, you know, hadn't heard of him or his, uh, you know, his credentials and that. But they've they watched the Benji highlights. So... Uh, it, the Warriors are taking steps in that direction as well, and I think it's it's the best thing for clubs like that. The, Seem to have lost their way a little bit. The interesting thing, the first player from the West Tigers to do a flick pass, you know what the commentator's going to say. There's the influence of Benji Marshall on this team. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see what his influence is. Do you think Benji would be encouraged? You'd have to, wouldn't you? Oh, you can't have that highlight reel and go in there and say, look, we just want to play structured footy. One out. Yeah, completion rates. None of that. <laughs> Absolutely none of that. Um, I'm just going to rattle through a few more of your ideas for your um, interview subjects. Uh, someone said Don Tricker. <clears throat> we had Don Tricker last year. You can probably search our podcasts for that. We had Don Tricker. He's with San Diego Padres now. Really interesting chat with him. Travis Wilson, who's now coaching women's softball at university level, and Michael White. Former Black Sox, now one of the highest paid sports coaches in all sport at Texas University. I did not know that's what Michael White was doing. Absolutely one of the greatest softballers of all time. I didn't know he was at Texas University, so we'll note that down. That'd be a fascinating chat. I'm not just going to say I'll note it down. I'm actually writing it down, Michael White, Texas. See, you guys, you guys all know where they are as well. Texas Uni coach. I'll ask him, are you the highest paid? I won't ask him that. Um, Richie McCaw with questions from the listeners. He's just a great New Zealander. Dig into his mind and see how he became such a great player. My oldest boy started Westlake Boys this year and is lucky enough to be part of the Rugby Academy. I quite often reference Richie to him in day-to-day life. Would just love to listen to him and see what he did different to other players when he was coming through the ranks. Andy North Shore. Great shout, Andy. Great shout. Um, Richie McCall? Why not? Let's give it a go. Let's give it a go. We'll take a break for new sport and weather when we come back. I think it's Paulie Mawari's turn today. So uh, Brother Love will introduce with his dulcet tones Paul Mawari from the TAB all after the news. Right, we're going to Mr. Pauli Mawadi out of the TAB, tab.co.nz or download the app because most of the info he's going to get you without the attitude is all on the app and on the website. Pauli, welcome in. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Steph. How are you? Very well. Um, and I just said in my headphones, he said, if, do they do betting on preseason games in the NRL? <laughs> oh, yes, they do. Oh, good boy. <laughs> And I can see them, they're up there now. Of course, it's a, a wee bit different this year. They've got a, a preseason challenge, the NRL, where teams earn points for winning games, for try. It's all, yeah, check it out on the NRL side anyway. But we've got the uh, Warriors Tigers odds up for their preseason challenge match. Warriors are four and a half point favourites, $1.57 head to head, 228 for Tigers. Uh, and the rest of the those preseason challenge games are up on the website as well. Just having a look. Looks like the closest one, the Raiders up against the Bulldogs. Raiders a dollar eighty-seven, Bulldogs a dollar eighty-five. So they're all there, ready to go. Are they popular? Um, 
the Warriors matches. Yeah. Um, and, and there's a sprinkling of sort of interest in the other ones. But yes, there's uh, quite a bit of interest in the Warriors match. And we've taken money on the Warriors. But the big interest today is around the NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in particular, one match. Uh, tip off around just after four o'clock our time. Perfect the timing. Lakers, <laughs> the Lakers hosting the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, and it's not really the game they're interested in. It's one player in that game. It's all about LeBron James. And he's got the opportunity to become the NBA all-time scoring champion uh, and overhaul, I think it's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, uh, if he could score 36 or more points today. So the boys have put together... Uh, a whole lot of LeBron James power plays uh, for today's um, matchup against the Oklahoma City Thunder. And I'm just looking down. We've taken more money on the LeBron James power plays than we've taken on the rest of the options in that Lakers-Thunder game. So I've just, I've just very... clicked on the LeBron James power play book. There's about yep. 30 of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like LeBron, LeBron breaks the record with a three-point field goal, $4.50. LeBron James yeah. scores 36-plus points, and the Lakers win by 10-plus points. This is fantastic. <laughs> and uh, it, the punters want it too because they are getting stuck in. The most popular power play uh, at the moment, Can I guess? $2.40. It, oh, I was just about to, you, you may have heard me say the, the odds. I was going to say, even before you said that, LeBron James scores 36-plus points because he's in control of his destiny. He sat out a game the other day so he could break it at home. 36-plus points happens today. $2.40, the best back LeBron James power play to score 36 or more. There's also a boosted um, option as well. LeBron scores 36 or more and the Lakers win. Well, you'd, you'd think if he scores 36 or more, the Lakers are probably going to win. So that's been boosted from three out to $3.50. That's been very well received. But there are a number of ones further down the also attracted uh, the punters' attention. And I'm just having a look. There was something about... Oh, there it is. LeBron James breaks the scoring record with a sky hook. Oh. It's paying thirteen dollars. <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a, 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 a sort of poetry in motion? Where he breaks the record, uh, Kareem Abdul's uh, record with a sky hook. Um, so that's paying thirteen dollars, and we'll refund that one if he doesn't reach thirty-six points. So. Oh. Um, That'd be and, a very and, bl- so LeBron yeah. thing to do, wouldn't it? Would be a sky hook. Exactly. Yes, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I did. Boy, he is a good player. He, <laughs> he's just. I. There's not enough sort of descriptors in the English language to uh, do LeBron James justice. I don't think he. He honestly, he could have played uh, as an edge forward for the Kiwis. He could have played in the uh, in the centres for the All Blacks. He just. Just a ridiculous athlete. Paulie, have you opened yourselves up a little bit for, um, you know, it's a little bit squirrely as to the definition of a sky hook? What if it's a baby hook? Is it a running floater? How are you going to qualify that one? Oh, cry. I, I should get the bookies to send through all our uh, sort of power plays before we put them up on the site and just get uh, you boys to go over them and <laughs> see if you can find any loopholes. I'll find a hook. I'll find a hook. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so all eyes on Lakers. Uh, tips off about 4 o'clock, doesn't it? 
about four o'clock this afternoon, our time here. Uh, it'll be, I'm sure, it'll be one of the most watched uh, NBA matches of all time. Oh, fantastic. Can I just ask you about um, Billabong? Billabong Pipeline is on at the moment, the Pipe Masters in the, in the surfing. Does that get much traction? It's live on Sky Sport 9. I mentioned earlier this week when we had our midday madness about our bucket list things we want to go and watch. I want to go and sit on the beach at Pipeline and watch that. Does that, does that garner much interest? We have our, uh, what would you say, our niche block of surfing punters. Right. Who will get on um, every time we put out a, a market on uh, the surfing. So, yeah, I'm just having a look at the outright winner market as we speak for the um, Billabong Pro Pipeline Women's. Uh, and Chris Moore, the Hawaiian, his favourite there at 225. Tyler Wright at three. That's Lakey the Peterson at Tyler Wright, Tyler Wright wins. Yeah, Tyler Wright wins. So she'll beat Lakey in the semi, and she'll beat Carissa in the final. There you go. And there we go. We're, and your outsider of that market, Betty Lou Sakura Johnson at $6. And okay. John, John John will win the men's. John John Florence will win the men's. Woohoo! <laughs> beauty! <laughs> See, I'm helping you guys out. I'm helping you guys you out. You are. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Paulie, uh, just... it's a LeBron James Day. Anything else before we head off? Uh, what is it? I'm just having a look. John John Florence, he's $1.35 to beat Miguel Pupo at $3 and uh, around the 16 heat eight. So $1.35, John John Lawrence, uh, quite a warm favourite to uh, beat Miguel Pupo at $3. Just having a look down the thing there. Of course, we've got the uh, NRR, uh, NRL All-Star game as well. Hopefully they they, uh, they go ahead with that game. Currently, the Maldi All-Stars, two twenty eight. Indigenous All-Stars, $1.61. We've just started to take a wee bit of late money on the All-Stars, at uh, Indigenous All-Stars at $1.61. Nice work, Paulie. Thanks, buddy. Very good. Thanks, Steph. And get LeBron. Get on, LeBron, and go John John. Um, and Tyler Wright. Um, what have we got coming next? We're going to find out what's making news, but don't forget the tab.co.nz. That's where all the odds and those LeBron. Oh, the power plays on LeBron are fantastic. That'd be so much fun to set. It'd be so much fun to set. Anyway, we'll take a break. We'll come back and find out what's making news. Well, amongst all of this bad weather, one outfit I was thinking about was the Ellerslie, the Ellerslie racetrack and how all of this weather was affecting this massive rebuild they're undertaking. So I've got on the line now Paul Wilcox. He's Auckland Thoroughbred Racing Head. Paul, welcome in. How did Ellerslie and all of this resurfing, resurfacing survive this deluge? Hey, g'day, Steph. Well, actually, talking to you standing in the sun at the minute, which is a rare occurrence at the minute, but uh, no, we came through reasonably uh, unscathed. Our, both our stands got quite significant flooding uh, over over the, the couple of days that they had that torrential downpour. But all in all, the trick came through pretty good. So uh, we're delighted. Uh, and we haven't even got the drains connected at this stage. So uh, when I walked down here, I got down here early on uh, on Saturday morning because uh, the wife was irritated by my uh, movement in bed. So she kicked me up and I came down here. <laughs> and uh, once, once the light... Uh, came up, I uh, got out onto the track and uh, happy to uh, report that the newly laid part uh, came through very well and after 203 mil over Friday night and Saturday morning that it took, it was uh, 
rating a soft five. So uh, without the drains being fully connected, delighted. So what stage are we at? I saw a, some drone footage and, and the extent of the earthworks was, it blew me away actually, and it piles of rocks and rubble and all that sort of thing. Now that's before the deluge came down. How, how are you tracking? Where are we at? If I came out and had a look today, would I see grass or would I still still see rocks and stones? Uh, in, the, in, the, in the middle you'll still see the uh, the, the rocks and, and, and the dirt. That dirt's getting put back around uh, off racing surface, but that, that's staying here at Ellerslie. Uh, the rocks are, are slowly going. People are coming and collecting those and transporting them away, which is good. Some of them will be taken away and crushed and brought back to, to be used for, for base for the roads. But at this stage, we've laid the Strathair surface from about the, down by the Derby chute, so uh, about the 400 metre mark right up to the finishing post, that that's ready to be seated, and then we're just progressing around. So we've got now all the all the base level done from from the finishing post around to the to the mile shoot, and they're starting to lay the uh, strathair surface uh, past the crossing up to the mile shoot start, and then uh, working down the back straight. Uh, it's all being prepared down to the twelve hundred metre mark, so that strathair can start getting. Putting, putting the, the surface down and, and then we'll be uh, hard on the back of that and, and making sure the seat's going in so that uh, we can get back to racing as soon as we possibly can. So going well, yes, the, the rain has delayed things. Obviously, I'm sure your listeners will be aware that once you've had rain, the uh, ground's not conducive to having heavy machinery on it that's preparing the surfaces. So um, we have had a delay, but look, you know, we're still pushing ahead and and want to get back to racing uh, when she's ready. This Strathair grass, I've heard that heard about this. Is Strathair a company? Is it a breed of grass? And why why Strathair? What makes this Strathair? In layman's terms, what's the concept behind all of this? Well, it's, it's easy to use layman's terms because I'm a simple man. So <laughs> Strathair is Strathair's name of the company. Okay, so their their technology is the fibre mesh that goes in the sand profile so just to get it out there again to your listeners it will be a grass surface track so it's not a synthetic track uh, it's a grass surface track the technology lays in underneath the grass right. and what it is is a mixture of basically sand peat moss and this fiber fiber mesh which is as you Sort of so the listeners can get a better understanding about a centimetre by a centimetre squared, uh, and it's about 10 centimetres in width and about uh, 15, 20 centimetres in depth. That gets mixed with the sand and the peat moss. Uh, then that gets laid on top of the gravel, and then that's the surface, and then the, the, the grass gets put into there. We are going, so, so the grass we're using is uh, very similar to what Flemington used. So we've done a, a massive amount of research on grass types and, and profiles to use and went over to uh, both New South Wales and Victoria. Uh, Flemington's got a very similar climate to New Zealand, so so we know that grass that we've chosen, which is, is similar to theirs, it will work in New Zealand. They get a lot colder and a lot hotter than we do here in Auckland. 
So uh, it's got every chance to, to grow. So it'll be a ryegrass mix of three different species of ryegrass, but don't ask me what they are because uh, I've got no idea right now. <laughs> and while we talk about the surface, I would imagine other infrastructure, you have the opportunity to upgrade that, and I'm thinking things like um, you mentioned irrigation and drainage, um, the running rail, stewards' towers, all of that sort of stuff, that's all going to be modified? 100%, right down to uh, we're using Triple uh, S data for a new timing system, so it'll give live in-action timing. Uh, it'll be great for the trainers, obviously uh, for the owners, and we want to work with TAB New Zealand so that we can get those timing splits up on the screen. It will help with uh, people identifying where their horses are running. Uh, that's a considerable investment uh, that we've done there. The drainage, as you mentioned, absolutely. So we used to transport the drain or the water off the track in uh, 225-centimetre uh, drains. We've got 1.5-metre drains that are taking water away from the track. We're creating a new pond, which is uh, about five times the size of our old pond so that we can uh, recirculate or use the water uh, that we're taking off the track and, and other various areas. So it'll be a very self-sufficient track, not reliant, uh, particularly at this time of the year when we've had so much rain. Our, our, our new pond would have been full up and, and, and overflowing uh, out into the out into the systems. But um, so we're, we're doing we're looking at everything and to give the best surface that we possibly can, not only for the horses, which is which is number one, but but our 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 more most important people, which are the owners and the trainers, uh, and then the punters. So it'll give them that surface that they can bet on with confidence, and and every horse will will have uh, have their chance on on race day. I also wanted to ask you about the dimensions of the new track when we're back racing. Length of straight, um, tightness of or looseness of corners, whatever you want to call it. Is that going to be the same as the old Ellerslie? Absolutely. So we're making no changes. We are fixing up some of the cambers uh, and from Hospital Bend. So just for the 1600 uh, start, we're fixing that up. But everything else remains exactly the same. So we've got uh, 30 metre... Uh, width of track, uh, and and it's just shy of uh, 2,000 metres. So it's about, I think it's 1,900 metres in, in circumference, but nothing's changed from what she was before we started the work. And most importantly, all the intricacies of the track remain. So all the rises, all the dips, we're leaving those in because that's what jockeys love. Uh, and, and it's a challenging track to ride, and so it should be. It's uh, Premier, it's going to be the premier track, or it is the premier track in New Zealand, so we, we need to make it a real test of horse and jockey, and, and that's one thing that, that we haven't changed. And I'm no, uh, I have no doubt that you're asked to look into your crystal ball by all sorts of factions within the industry <laughs> to say, win, win, win. Now, I accept that you would have had a few backward steps with the weather. Uh, we, I knew you were going to ask this, uh, Steffi. Cool. I, knew, I, 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 know, I know what the question is before it's even asked. I have, look, to, I have to ask. <laughs> no, no, good on you. you. You wouldn't be doing your job, and you're, you're a very good journalist, and you wouldn't be doing a job if you didn't. So our, our, our goal is to be back for Karaka Million 2024, so that, that will be uh, late January in 2024. Mm-hmm. 
But that said, we will only race once the track tells us that she's ready to take horses. And we will go through a very thorough and in-depth process to ensure that the, the right amount of horses are being over. We'll be using jockeys, uh, the senior jockeys, to give us the feedback on the track. And we'll go through a process where we'll start with, with just sending horses around with some of those senior jockeys, particularly the jockeys that have ridden overseas on straight air surfaces. So the likes of uh, Craig Grills and Opie Bossom, uh, they've obviously ridden in, in Hong Kong and Singapore um, in, during their time as jockeys. So it'll be, it'll be critical to have them giving the feedback on that because they know how those or how that surface rides. Uh, and then, and 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 obviously, we'll we'll hopefully get Leith. I know he's retired, but we'll get Leith to come and just zip around on on some horses. Then we'll go once once they say that 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 it's ready to to put a bit more pressure. We'll go into jump outs. Our jump outs will will make sure that during the course of the jump outs, we'll start them on the rail. Then we'll move, you know, do two or three heats on the rail. Then we'll push them out, cone them so that they go out and be in the sort of uh, seven, eight, nine, ten meter range, and then we'll push them to the outside as well, so that the whole track gets tested. Again, once that's ticked off, uh, we'll move into to a period of trials, uh, and then we'll need to have a a race meeting before Karakamilan. Again, we'll probably just restrict that to just a small card, six races, very similar to the Karakamilan, just so that we can test the track, make sure it's ready, and and uh, be able to actually hold a successful race meeting that's consistent, fair, uh, good for the punters, good for the horses, so that we can move into a real high-pressured meeting like the Kraka Million. And nothing better than Kraka Million. That's one race uh, in the calendar that we all know that the overseas interest is huge, but also it's it's important for for our breeding industry, for for the sales that uh, come straight after that. Well, it's exciting times ahead, Paul. Um, it's like we won't know ourselves when it when it's back up. It's just going to be so high class. And if you just watch the racing, as you say, out of Hong Kong and the Flemington, we're going to have facilities right up to par with that. It's it's going to be international. And the next year's going to fly, mate. I know you're going to scratch your head and you're going to have some frustrations, but um, <laughs> the eyes are on the prize now. We're only a year away, mate. We're only a year away. Hey, look, uh, I haven't got much here left. Staff, and uh, I can assure you, uh, over over the last two challenges we've had, obviously with COVID and being shut and what have you, and, and business been affected, and then getting this, uh, gee was it was monumental rainfall that we had, and and, and you know, it'd be remiss of me not to hear hear me crying about it in the sense of life, but we've also got to remember that a lot of people in Auckland and, and the Coromandel have been. Uh, greatly affected and you know my my thoughts go out to those people that have lost houses or or indeed their lives because uh it was pretty pretty bad but um you know we've just got to do what we can do and like i said i'm standing in the sun getting my tan on and uh happy days at the moment wear a hat wear a hat we're yeah good sunscreen yeah sunscreen or or just the hat to go there the whole the whole lot mate the whole lot because we're seeing sun for the first time for a couple of months. Hey, Paul, we've got to crack on. I really appreciate you you giving us an update, and we'll stay in touch. I mean, I very much appreciate it, and, and thanks for having me on.
of New Zealand players includes both current White Ferns and a number of domestic players. White Ferns captain Sophie Devine along with Susie Bates, Amelia Kerr, Maddie Green and Lee Tahuhu head the list of Kiwi hopefuls. More Inside 30 on SENZ. All the big moments from the world of sport. SENZradio.nz Waterforce, your local water management partner. Cloudy periods across Auckland with a few showers. Southwesterly's picking up during the afternoon. 24 the high down to 17 overnight. Catch live commentary from the first Australia-India cricket test starting tomorrow on SENZ. I've just logged into, I wanted to tell people, just quickly, Manoa, um, that the SCNZ Super Rugby Tipping is open. Um, of course. And you can win their ultimate sports experience. You and a mate, two and a half grand, sign up, play now. At tipping.scnzradio.nz. I've gone into that just to have a look what the website looks like. Mm-hmm. And when I opened the website, I've got all of Kimberly Downs. She hasn't logged out. So ah. Kim's made all her picks. Well, this is great because the best part about the tipping comp is getting all your mates, particularly your workmates, involved. Yeah, because it's something to you know put a uh, you know pride on a Monday when you come in and and compare notes. So the um, question is, do I change them? Well, would you be sabotaging Kim? Or would I would you? absolutely be sabotaging <laughs> Kim. I can tell you, she's taken the Chiefs to beat the Crusaders. Wow, round one. Okay. Um. Brumbies to beat the Waratahs. I, pit- I won't spill the beans, Kim, in case you're listening. But it's a pity she's not on on Friday to defend her choice of Chiefs over Crusaders. You know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to change anything. I've just clicked log out, and it's logged me out. There you go. You're a better man than I, Steph. Yes. Interesting news item with Johnny Mac then. These are my favourite. <laughs> These are my favourite. This is the story about the uh, three, was it three, five hundred million dollars worth of cocaine. Three uh, tons. Three tons. When you read further into the story, it says a little uh, more than three tons. I suspect it's actually just a fraction less than four tons because what always happens in these stories, <laughs> this happened a couple of years ago where someone was walking on a beach out on the west coast of Auckland, PR or one of those ones, and they found 19 bricks of cocaine. Wow. 19? You're telling me that someone wrapped up a package to send it over and they put 19 parcels in? <laughs> I found 19. Honest, there weren't 20. I honest, yeah. I found 19. <laughs> That's what cracks me up whenever I see these stories, is the amount that they find is always one less than what you would presume <laughs> they would have packaged. Found 11 kilos. That's a prime number. 19 is such a hard number of things to package. How many do you want? I'd like 19, please. Not one more, not one less. They've clearly found 20. Or a hundred and pocketed <laughs> seventy nine of them. The thing I can't get over is that, like, that's amazing that they've caught that and they've found it. Mm. I always think when there's a big seizure at the um, at the airport or at the at the um, harbors or where, wherever, I'm like, but how much gets through that you don't find? Like, celebrate the stuff you find, but how much is getting through? For every rat you see, mm. how many are there that you don't see? This is another stunning fact from this, and this says a lot about Australians. Um, to try and put this in perspective, the amount that they found would supply New Zealand for 30 years... <laughs> 
or Australia for one. That's a quote. That's is a quote is that story. a New Zealand story or yeah. an Aussie one? That's a New Zealand story. Um, they've now been supplying New Zealand for 30 years and Australia for one. Wow. Shout out to Australia. No wonder they're talkers, aren't they? Mm. <laughs> Something on Australia-New Zealand relations. Just quickly, I saw a list. I love a list. You know, mm-hmm. everyone loves a list. Team list. And it was the most unaffordable, sorry, cities with the most unaffordable housing to purchase in the world, and they did 92 cities, and they ranked them from most most unaffordable to most affordable. most affordable. And the parameters were simply average selling price and average income. So it's pretty simple. Any score over five, the grading over five, is severely unaffordable. Number one on the list and has been for 12 years in a row, is Hong Kong with a score of 23. And you only need to get to five to be severely unaffordable. Wow. And that's about population and supply. There's just there's no more land. Mm. There's no more land. Um, number two, you're going to kill me here. Number two, I think, was Los Angeles. Okay. New York was in the top five. Sydney was in the top five. Auckland, oh. number eight in the world of house price to income. Wow. That blew me away. 92, and I like um, high, high-ish up on the OECD countries. I don't know how they selected the 92 cities, but they, mm. they covered um, Europe, um, America, South America, New Zealand, Australia, Auckland, eighth. How much money is there in Sydney that people can afford a house and to blow through 30 years of cocaine in one year? <laughs> <laughs> Do we need to be moving over to Sydney, staff? They would be living under a bridge. Yeah, I know. Oh, I just can't afford it. They must have big salaries. Well, no, they haven't. It's all, it's all related to salaries. It's like salary and house prices. It's mm. just about impossible to buy a house in Sydney. That's because they're spending all their money elsewhere. On Coke. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. If you want to play the chase, 0800 150 You know how it goes. You get a minute. Chaser chases you down. We've got an all-new cast today. I'm not involved. That's all I'll say. 0800 150 811, New Zealand's favourite game show that plays at 2.40 in the afternoon with Staffy, The Chase. 0800 150 811. Have a crack at it. Chase time, New Zealand. <clears throat> Welcome to the chase every day at 5 o'clock TV1. No, I'm Bradley Walsh. I'm not really, but um, Manoia, quite a few phone calls came in. You've just learned how to use the randomizer to see which phone line uh, wins. Which phone line won or gets the opportunity? Uh, we've gone to phone line number two, Brad and Dunedin. Brad and Dunedin. G'day, Brad. Daffy, Manoia, how are we? We are very, very well. Um, now, of course... Um, this is the first time in eyes run the chase. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've pulled Captain K in to give him a hand with the buttons and the timers, so it, it's it's a big old day. So as you know, the first thing you have to do is select set A or set B. Uh, I'll go set B. Set B. Oh, I already, like that. You've already thrown me. You've already thrown <laughs> me. I'm, I wasn't prepared for this. <laughs> All right. I now hand over to Manaya. And it goes like this. I'll start the clock. So you're, t- you're just going to start with set B, mm-hmm. question one. Here we go. Mm-hmm. And your time starts in three, two, one. What town did Scott Robertson go to high school in? 
Tamaru. Oh. <laughs> We're going to keep going. We're going to keep going. What team does Ben Murdoch Marcella play for? Dragon. Correct. Brody Retallick will play for what Japanese team next year? Kobe Steelers. Who is at the top of the NBA's Western Conference standings? Uh, the Nugget. Yep. Name two of the three bowlers to take ten wickets in an innings. AJ Patel and Okumbo. How many points does LeBron James need today to break the all-time scoring record? 36. What is Andy Murray's brother's name? Do I tell him whether he's right or not? Jamie. Who is the head coach of the Hurricanes? Uh, Jason Holland. Who is the head coach of the Highlanders? Mark Dermody. What venue was the NZ Grand Prix race at on Sunday? Uh, Hampton Downs. What nationality was the winner of that Grand Prix? Uh, Dutch. Staff, you're going to accept that? Missed the buzzer. (laughs) Eight. That is a lofty score. You need to say whether they're correct or not when they are answering them or not. Well, I tried to hit the bloody ding noise, didn't I? And it stopped the whole thing. So, yeah. so nobody got eight. Fantastic okay. effort. So it's time to introduce the chaser, which is not me. And I have no sweaty armpits. I have nothing because it's not me. Let us introduce, uh, or oh, we need a name for him. We need a nickname. I think uh, his mum gave him one when he was born. Did he? She? <laughs> <laughs> Um, is he the humiliator? Yeah. <laughs> the humiliator Hewitt, Sam Hewitt. Welcome oh, uh, welcome you. into the big studio. Yeah, a lot of nerves actually. Um, I thought we had a name, wasn't it like the Slayer? Or was that another person? <laughs> was that another person, the Slayer? Or is that, I'll tell you what, um, I think between myself... Slam and Sam. Slam and Sam. Slam and, Slam and Sammy. Uh, between myself and Brad, uh, whose nerves are at a high, I think Manai is probably the most nervous out of everyone yes, here with I running do. those buttons uh, in there. You can see how many buttons I'm looking at. <laughs> it's out of control. Yeah, it is a, it's a spaceship in there. But look, eight, um, I actually, when, when Brad's name was mentioned, I immediately put my head in my hands because I knew how good he was. Eight's going to be very hard to beat. And I wouldn't even got half those oh, questions. Yeah. Wouldn't you? Nah. What if I don't have another eight questions to ask? <laughs> you only drew up one set. So now, just just a reminder, Manai, we'll just go over our pre-show meeting. Mm-hmm. If Sam gets one wrong, yep. say stop the clock. Okay. If he gets it right, say correct okay. and carry on. Okay. Sam, Slim and, and Sammy. And Kez is running the clock. Kez is running the clock. Okay. Okay. Oof. Oh, yeah. boys, Slim and Sammy, your time starts in three, Izzy two, da- one. Izzy Dag played for two Super Rugby teams, the Crusaders and who? Uh, Islanders. Correct. Uh, sorry, Caleb Ralph played for three Super Rugby teams, Crusaders, Blues and who? Hurricanes. That is incorrect. Stop the clock. <laughs> the music's very loud, by the way. <laughs> Brad, do Brad. you know the answer? Uh, the cheat. Correct. Should have known that. Push you back one, so you're on zero. Yeah, oh, look, I'm not going to get it, but that's fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> then do we have to do it? All right, start the clock again. Who won the women's draw of the 2021 US Tennis Open? Uh, Ash Barty? No, that is wrong. Start the clock! <laughs> Brad. Who won the women's draw of the 2021 US Tennis Open? Oh, no idea. Maria Sharapova. That's also wrong. We go again then. What year did the All Whites make their first appearance in the FIFA World Cup finals? That is correct. 
Uh, which All Black captain has the worst winning record of all time? Uh, Tane Randall. That is correct. In what year did Christchurch hold the Commonwealth Games? 1974. Correct. Who sung the theme song for those games? Dave. Ah. Oh. Neil Finn. Stop the clock, that is wrong. <laughs> it's so loud. Can we turn the music down? <laughs> I'm losing my hearing. <laughs> Manoia hitting dings and bells. Brad, do you know who sung the theme song to the 1974 Christchurch Commonwealth Games? Oh, I'll just go Tim Finn. No, that's not right. Steve Allen. Steve. Yeah, okay. Allen. What am I on? Three or four? You're on three. Four okay. I'm glad someone else is counting. Um, all right, let's get back into it then. Name one of the players traded for Kyrie Irving this week. Uh, Dinwiddie. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> uh, how many times did Lance Armstrong win the Tour de France? Seven, but zero, theoretically. I don't know what answer you wanted there. but Sam got five, but jeez, that was a potpourri of fun. I'd have to say, Brad. Seamless, wasn't it? Yeah, look, I am embarrassed of myself, uh, but... <laughs> Because I felt like uh, you've never given me... Well, we've, I've never had the chance to do this, Steph, and I feel like i have that's the only chance I'll ever that, get. That was your chance, and, um, mate. Yeah, they'll never invite me back on again. I might invite you back next week because Ruben's still going to be away and you're still going to be actually, Ruben. Yeah, can, can I invite you back to push the Let's, buttons? <laughs> but how about I'll push the buttons and ask myself my own questions? Or we get Maniron and he can, uh, he can answer the questions. I'd prefer that. I'll tell you what. Let's take this conversation off here. <laughs> we'll take it offline. Brad, you won. It was a punishing for us. I hope it was punishing for you. Uh, yeah, very punishing, but uh, happy to take the win. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, team. Brilliant. Oh, Brad from Danute. That was um, all over the shop. We need to recover. We'll come back after a break.